It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This program is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company specializing in the healing power of real food. My name is Cassie Wienis. I'm a registered and licensed dietitian working for Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and I see clients three days a week at our Maple Grove office. On the other four days of the week, I'm often busy doing sidewalk chalk or playing basketball or playing chutes and ladders with my kids. And as the regular listeners know, they're waiting to hear their names on the radio. So hello to Riley, my almost first grader, and hello to Rissy, my soon-to-be preschooler. And good morning to all of our wonderful listeners. We have a great show planned that I know will capture the attention of many. Our topic this morning is positive moods, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about specific foods as well as a couple of supplements that can help you achieve a positive mood and a great sense of well-being. And in studio to help relay all the great information we have in store for you over the next hour is my colleague Brenna Thompson. Brenna is a registered and licensed dietitian. She just joined our team this past spring, and she's currently being kept busy seeing clients at both our Maple Grove and our North Oaks locations. So welcome, Brenna. Good morning, Cassie. Well, I have a very special hello to say, and that is to my mom, who turned a sensational 60 years young yesterday. However, she is probably not listening at the moment, since she decided to celebrate her birthday by running the United Way 5K. Oh my gosh, good for her. Well, she'll listen maybe to the replay tomorrow. Yes, she has plans to do that. Yay, so So by then it'll be happy belated birthday, but that's that's a nice shout out. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if any of you listening have had depression or anxiety impact your life, you are certainly not alone. One out of every 10 people in the United States suffers from depression at some point in their life, and anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in this country, affecting 40 million adults. So why are mood problems and anxiety so common in this country? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we have so much depression in the United States? Why do we have so many people with anxiety disorders? Well, we believe that our moods, our ability to handle life's problems, our anxiety levels are all affected in large part by the foods we are choosing to put in our mouth day in and day out. That's right, Cassie. And today we want you to start thinking of real food as brain medicine. I love that. Real food equals brain medicine. Does. Yeah. And it's it's the natural way to treat low moods, eating real food. And we realize that this is probably a new thought for many of you, especially if you're a fairly new listener. So if this is a new thought, you might want to grab a pen and some paper because Brenna and I are going to be giving you some great ideas in terms of what you can eat to boost your mood and lessen your anxiety. And who would have thought that the foods you are putting in your mouth affect your moods? But they do. And if currently you're not eating much real food, if instead you're eating the typical American diet of cold breakfast cereal, fast food burgers, lean cuisine, and frozen pizzas, then you are more likely to suffer from depression. 
stop picking on me. I used to have lean cuisines just piled in my freezer as a single person before I found nutritional weight and wellness. <laughs> but yeah, not real food. And, and you know, to your point, Brenna, um, as our boss likes to say, we don't just make this stuff up. And I have some research here. Scientists at the University of Melbourne in Australia found that a standard American diet featuring pizza, processed meats, white bread, sugar, and beer increased the likelihood of depression by 52%. That's incredible. That's a big number. That is. And this study also showed the opposite is true, meaning a diet rich in vegetables, fruits, and healthy proteins like fish and grass-fed meats reduced the odds of depression and anxiety disorders by 35%. The foods we eat affect our brain chemicals. They affect our hormones as well. They can either increase or decrease inflammation, and the foods we eat affect our immune system. So, Brenna, let's talk about how to eat to boost brain chemicals, positively affect hormones, and basically leave us with a sense of well-being and a happy outlook on life. Well, it all begins with breakfast. And this summer, my new favorite breakfast that leaves me in a good mood is a frittata with sautéed vegetables from our CSA. And sometimes, when I have a little extra time in the morning, I get fancy and I top it with a little goat cheese. Yum. I love goat cheese. That That, sounds so good. It does. And it's a breakfast that will balance your blood sugar because it's got some protein. That's the the eggs. The eggs. The veggies are the carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. And then you probably, like you said, you cook it in... I cook it in butter butter. or coconut oil. I might add a splash of cream to the eggs. Perfect. So that's your healthy fat. So those three things together balance blood sugar. And we see it time and again in clinical practice that one of the big pieces of the puzzle to addressing low moods and anxiety is balancing out our blood sugar. And as you say, Cassie, the magic number is three. If you eat an animal protein, a carb, and a healthy fat, those three things... Every three hours, you will achieve a balanced blood sugar, and your moods will be better because of this. Right. And, you know, all this talk of blood sugars is making me think of a client that, boy, it's been a few years now since I've seen her, but she came into me with depression and awful sugar cravings. And I, I want to keep her anonymous, so I'm just going to call her Sally. When I got Sally eating real food every three hours, her cravings diminished so much that she was easily able to give up all sweets for Lent that year. And guess what? By eating real food every three hours and stopping her sugar habit, she remedied her depression the natural way. And she really was feeling great. But as all you Catholics out there have probably guessed, when Easter Sunday rolled around, Sally treated herself to a big piece of cake. That's what we Catholics do. We have whatever we gave up for Lent in in large amounts. So she had this big piece of cake after Easter dinner And then she wanted more sugar. And so she got into the jelly bean dish. And from there, it was the M&Ms. And she couldn't stop herself. And this ended up going on for days before she finally came back in to see me. And as she described herself at that point, she said, I'm depressed, I'm hopeless, and I find myself crying randomly throughout the day for no reason at all. She was back on a huge blood sugar roller coaster. Exactly. So certainly there are foods that can create depression and anxiousness, but the hope in this story is that, as Sally found, you can eat in a way that provides your body and brain the nutrients it needs to create positive moods and a sense of well-being. Now, you talked, Brenna, about a delicious breakfast idea. Moving on Mm -hmm. to lunch, one of my favorite good mood food lunches is a bowl of leftover chili. 
And I love to top it with a big dollop of full-fat sour cream. Oh, yeah. That makes everything taste better. It sure does. And then I like to have celery sticks and hummus on the side, you know, something crunchy. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you like. It could be maybe a side salad with that bowl of chili. But my preference is the celery sticks and the hummus. And you might have guessed my favorite chili recipe is the one you'll find on our website at weightandwellness.com. I love this chili recipe, too. It has such great flavor. And for any listeners who have tried our chili recipe, you've probably noticed that we use two pounds of ground beef for every one can of beans. And this is more animal protein than the typical chili recipe that includes lots and lots of beans. And not only does this give more flavor, but it also helps our body to produce more brain chemicals. So are you saying that by eating plenty of animal protein, a person might be able to boost their serotonin and their dopamine, two of the major brain chemicals, to a level that would allow them to get off their antidepressant? I have actually seen it happen, and I do think it takes the guidance of a knowledgeable nutrition counselor in order to achieve this, but it is very doable. So by eating sufficient animal protein, we are giving our body the building blocks it needs to make serotonin, dopamine, and all of these 70 other, at least we know that there's 70 other, named neurotransmitters that have been identified. So let's take a minute here and focus a little bit more on serotonin and dopamine. We've specifically mentioned these two brain chemicals a couple of times already because these are the two that deal a lot with our moods. So let's start with serotonin. Brenna, what might a person look like that's low in serotonin? A person with low serotonin will most often have low moods. They often fly off the handle easily. They often struggle with insomnia. And sometimes they experience frequent headaches. And they will often crave carbohydrates and sweet foods. So do we have any listeners who are depressed, sleep-deprived, on edge, and struggling with food cravings? If you answered yes, it is likely that you're low on serotonin. So, Brenna, what's your first recommendation for someone who wants to boost their serotonin naturally? For someone who wants to boost their serotonin, they need to eat animal protein at least five times a day. Yes, you did hear Brenna right, five times a day. Now, we're not saying we want you to sit down to a 20-ounce porterhouse at each of these five stops, but rather small amounts of animal protein several different times throughout the day. I really want listeners to take a minute now and think about what you ate yesterday. How many times did you have animal protein yesterday? Was it once? Was it twice? Or are you eating the nutritional weight and wellness way and getting animal protein at breakfast, at a morning snack, at lunch, an afternoon snack, and of course, at dinner? You know, before I found Nutritional Weight and Wellness, most days of the week, I was eating animal protein two times and sometimes only once. But I can sincerely say I feel 110% better now that I'm on a schedule of a little animal protein every three hours. And do you know it's already time for that first commercial break? But do stay with us because when we come back, Brenna and I want to share some tips for all the parents out there who have kids with food allergies starting school in a couple of weeks. And if you want to join our conversation today regarding how foods affect our moods and our anxiety, call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071 and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, 
And I'm in studio with Cassie Weenus, who is also a registered and licensed dietitian. Today, we're talking about how the foods you're eating are either positively or negatively affecting your moods and your anxiety levels. But before we get back into that discussion, Cassie mentioned as we were going to break that we'd have some tips for parents whose kids have food allergies and will be ending their summer break here very soon. And because Cassie has the experience in this area, I'm actually going to turn it over all to her to share some of her advice. Can you believe summer's almost over? No, it's almost state fair time. I know. And that, I mean, that always is kind of exciting, but then you think, well, but that means it's about over. Hopefully we'll have another mild winter. Then I don't mind it so much. But as any parent of a school-age child with food allergies knows, we could easily do an entire show. Heck, we could do two entire shows relaying all of the information and prep work that's involved when your food allergic child starts school. That's not the topic of the show today, obviously, but with school just around the corner, I wanted to share two of the many steps that I take this time of year for my oldest, who has celiac disease as well as a dairy allergy. One step, which I usually complete during a detailed meeting with the classroom teacher, the school nurse, and the principal, is to find out dates of your child's field trips and holiday parties for the year. And then if it works with your schedule, ask to be an automatic chaperone for all field trips. That will ensure that no food flub-ups occur when they take the bus to the Minnesota Zoo, for example. You're there, you know, to watch over your child in that scenario. So ask to be a chaperone. And, of course, put the holiday parties on your calendar so you can be talking to the teacher ahead of each party and bringing in appropriate substitutions if need be. One example that comes to mind last year when Riley was in kindergarten, it seemed like they were having a party every week, I swear, but... um, That's what kindergarten's about, I guess. But they had a 100th day of kindergarten party. And one of the things they did was to make their own trail mix. And so the teacher had stations of 10 different things, and they had to Mm -hmm. take 10 of each item. And so they talked about 10 times 10 equals 100. So there's a little math in there. But I worked with the teacher to get all of the items gluten-free. Oh, wow. I'm sure it wasn't nutritional weight and wellness approved, but in this scenario on party day, the main concern for me was gluten and, of course, dairy-free, but it's it's a little more challenging to get all of them gluten-free. So again, put these holiday parties on your calendar so you can be thinking ahead. And my second tip that I've found useful with both my six-year-old who's in school and my four-year-old who's in daycare is to talk with them about their role in managing their food allergies when they're away from home. And one way that I do that is to do some simple role plays where, for example, I'm the classmate and I offer Riley a cookie from my lunchbox. And we go through that scenario and we keep it really simple. I've just taught him to say, no, thank you if I offer a cookie. But for those kids, that's huge to have worked through a scenario like that so they know how to respond. It just makes the school day run a little smoother. Mm -hmm. Those are some great tips, Cassie, that I'm sure many listeners can benefit from because, as you well know, food allergies are on the rise. Right, and we want to keep our kids safe, so we have to do that extra planning ahead. Well, we have a caller on the line. Let's go to line one. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, Linda. You had a question for us? I do. Um, I have a daughter that is 10 years old, and she is a vegetarian. Um, She is moody, moody, and moody. (laughs) Mm, I wonder why. (laughs) Well, you know, I try, I, it's a constant battle to get her to eat, you know, good things. And I think that, you know, after listening to your show and talking about animal proteins, you know, I know the importance of them, but 
how can I, um, you know, convey that to my daughter? Right. And at at that know, age of ten, parent, yeah. So what does she eat? Will she eat dairy? Um, will she eat eggs? Will she eat fish? Um, she does. She does eat dairy, um, but that she won't drink milk. It has to be soy milk. Um, and she does do fish occasionally. Uh, other than that, it's just you know like the the soy burgers and you know stuff like that. And I know that she's not getting as much nutrition as she should. Right. And you know I'm ready to tie her up and feed her a hamburger. Right. You know, oh, because it, it's really affecting her moods and you know. Right, and that's you can't really talk to her about that probably. But is she in any sports or dance or? She is in gymnastics, and she is she's become self conscious, I believe, about her um, her arms aren't really toned. And I've kind of tried to work with her with you know doing exercises, even just simple you know soup cans to right. tone up her arms. And she doesn't ultimately she won't she doesn't want to do it, um, and she doesn't feel like her she has very thin arms, but they're not you know muscular or toned. And so she's self-conscious about that, and I feel bad because, you know, I want her to... to um, feel good in her body. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, one thing to think about is to play on that piece of it, that if you want to build muscle, you can have that discussion with her and maybe say you talk to a nutritionist and... and mm-hmm about the importance of different foods when you're in gymnastics. And one thing the nutritionist said is that if you want to build muscle and really get toned, you have to be eating protein because your body makes muscle from protein. It doesn't make muscle from a bagel or a bowl of cereal. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of get her thinking along those lines. And then the other thought is to not do too much soy you know, I wouldn't. It sounds like she's doing soy at a couple of stops every day, and yes. there's there's just more and more not so great research coming out about yeah. soy, and that could be a whole another show. But especially when we're dealing with young girls, because it can affect um, it affects if, their thyroid. Uh, soy blocks iodine absorption to the thyroid, which can lead to hypothyroidism. It's also has those. Phytoestrogens, which can lead to high estrogen levels. And, of course, that can lead to, um, I would call it early puberty, as well as certainly more moodiness with it. Yeah, so those are just a couple of things. We could probably talk for a whole hour. So I would, however you can do that, shy her away from so much soy. Try the almond milk. Try the coconut milk. um, But I, I wouldn't do a lot of soy. But what you really need is a whey protein powder. Okay. And you can mix that with almond milk. You know, like you said, she won't drink milk, and that's fine. Mix it with almond milk. I love it. I just had it this morning on the drive-in mixed with some coconut milk. And that's my favorite because the coconut milk is a little creamier, but everybody has their own taste preference. But anybody that's vegetarian needs to get a high-quality whey protein powder to be sure they're getting enough of that protein. And that will help her build muscle, and that will help her moods. Oh, wonderful. And then if you would go to our website and um, weightandwellness.com and click on recipes, we have a protein shake that uses yogurt as the base, and then it has that protein powder in there. That would be a great breakfast or half of that recipe for a snack. And then if you go a little further down on the list of recipes, there's something called the serotonin sundae that also uses whey protein in there and would be a, a treat after a meal or could be a snack. Okay. 
So I, I think that really is the big key here is to get some whey protein in her a couple of times each day. Okay. Sounds okay. Good. Thank you for your call. Good luck with Thank that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. And we have another caller. Line two is Cara. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question for us? Is it oh, Cara me? or is it Kara? Oh, Kara. Kara, sorry. Yep, I have a question about um, edamame because that has soy protein in it. And um, my daughter loves it to get more protein. Is that good or bad? And Does she eat it several times a day? No, just maybe a few times a week. I think that's perfect. And, you know, one of the problems, I think, like I said, we could talk for an hour on it, but I feel like one of the issues with soy is that in America we have so over-processed it. But edamame is as close to its natural form. You know, it's that immature soybean. So of any of the soy products you could eat, I think that's the best one. And if it's a few times a week, I think that's a nice source of protein. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. All right. Those were some great questions. Um, What were we talking about? Animal protein. Of course. Yeah. So not only does eating animal protein several times a day decrease depression and anxiety, but your energy level will really increase when you start eating protein several times a day. And I know my energy level has gone through the roof and I... I can just exercise so much better than I could before, too. Right. And that, that is a wonderful thing when you have more more energy. And, and that's another point, too, for our that first caller, Linda, with the 10-year-old that's trying to be vegetarian, to talk to her about the energy that you get from animal protein. Because, boy, if you have quite a bit mm-hmm. more energy than the next person in that gymnastics meet, you're probably going to outdo them. Yeah, absolutely. But now when we talk about a little animal protein every meal and every snack, what do we really mean by a little? That's a great question because serving sizes do matter. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from break. Um, I'm sad we have to go to another break, but it is these commercials that help pay for airtime. So bear with us. And as we break, here's some food for thought. Depression runs higher in the population of people in this country who have diabetes than it does in the rest of our residents. Do you think depression runs high in people with diabetes because of the fear and frustration of their disease? Or is it because their blood sugars are not well controlled? Now, this is an area where Brenna is more of the expert. So when we come back, she'll give you her opinion on this. And if you have questions today regarding the topic, call us here at 651-641-1071. Stuck in a cycle of low energy and low moods? Do carb cravings drive you to polish off a bag of cookies or pretzels in one sitting? It's no coincidence that when your moods are low, your cravings are out of control. But you can break this frustrating cycle by learning the food-mood connection. When it comes to nutrition, nobody understands how food affects moods better than nutritional weight and wellness. Their Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods class explains which foods support well-being and positive thoughts. In two hours, you learn to feed your brain properly to conquer cravings and brighten your moods. Client after client has experienced increased energy, clearer thinking, and better moods as a result of good nutrition, and you can too. Change your food to change your mood. Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods is taught at nutritional weight and wellness offices and other locations throughout the Twin Cities. Call 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com to find a class near you. Oh, 
Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. It's Brenna and Cassie in studio this morning. If you're just joining us and we're talking about the power of eating real food when it comes to resolving your depression and lessening anxiety. Now, before we delve back into that topic, some of you heard the question Cassie posed before we went to break. The question was basically, are people with diabetes more prone to depression because they feel overwhelmed with managing their disease or are they more prone to depression because their blood sugars are up and down versus the rest of the population? Well, before my husband Ryan and I moved back to Minnesota, I worked in Georgia at a hospital where much of my time was spent educating newly diagnosed diabetes patients. I found that in those first few months of diagnosis, there may be some more depression as a result of being handed the daunting task of managing diabetes, which often comes with many lifestyle changes such as taking oral medications, giving insulin injections, and making major diet changes. But once a person with diabetes gets familiar with how to manage their condition and gets comfortable with a new eating style, from what I have seen, the initial stress and sadness that set in with the diagnosis lifts if the patient is managing their blood sugars well. Looking back, I can say that it's the patients who continue to have uncontrolled blood sugars that suffer most often with depression and, of course, other medical complications. So really, your clinical observation supports what we were talking about earlier, and that is that when you balance your blood sugar, whether you have diabetes or not, your moods get better. It may not be the one and only magic bullet, but a balanced blood sugar is definitely a key piece of the puzzle to maintaining even keel moods. Yes, and we're talking clinical observations here, but there is plenty of research suggesting the same thing that depressed people with diabetes have worse blood sugar control versus diabetics who aren't depressed. It's a very vicious cycle. And just interesting yeah. to think about that your your blood sugar. I remember the first, probably the first day I was training in with Dar, and she showed me, you know, that handout mm-hmm. that has the roller coaster ride of blood oh, sugars. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, it can't be that simple. If I just eat to balance my blood sugars, oh, I'm going to feel know. so much better in all these areas. But it is like this little secret that that Dar discovered, and and we're trying to share it with the world. Balance your blood sugars, and you'll feel better. Now, when we were talking um, before we had those callers, Brenna, you were mentioning a little a little protein, and like I said, serving sizes matter. Now, for me, and I think this is a pretty average amount for most women. For me, when I eat a meal, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I strive for about four ounces of mm-hmm. animal protein. I don't weigh it out. I think it, it would be helpful for some people to weigh it out. But I just kind of visualize, I know that a deck of cards is about three ounces of animal protein. So I want to get a little bit more than that. And then at snacks, I try to eat about two ounces of animal protein, which is equivalent to 14 grams, if anybody is measuring in grams. So that's my snacks throughout the day. So by the end of the day, it's not that I've consumed mega amounts of meat. The key is small amounts several times throughout the day. Yes. And when you eat this way, the end result is a new you, a you that is hopeful and optimistic, a you that is able to concentrate and think things through, a you that is free of cravings for carbohydrates and sweets. Now, I bet you would agree, Brenna, that on any given day, it's not just clients whose actions are screaming low serotonin. And we talked about some body signs of that earlier, you know, depression, flying off the handle, maybe some headaches, some cravings for carbs. 
we don't just see those clients. We also see plenty of people and kids, too, with low dopamine. I agree. Now, a person with low dopamine might very well be depressed, but a low dopamine person is often tearful and weepy, too. They often have low self-esteem, they feel overwhelmed by others' pain, and feel done to by others. And sometimes the low dopamine people are the people with body aches and chronic fatigue. And often these are the clients with an addictive personality. Whether it's diet pop or maybe it's cigarettes or just plain old sugar, people with low dopamine get hooked on one thing or another very easily. And here, too, first-line defense is animal protein five times a day. And the reasoning is simple, really. We eat animal protein. The animal protein breaks down into its very smallest building blocks called amino acids. And these amino acids are then combined with a few things to make our brain chemicals, or what we call our neurotransmitters. Amazing, isn't it? So eat your protein... And you're going to feel better. You're going to boost those brain chemicals. Now, I realize it's easy for me to say this. Eat your protein. It's a little harder to do when we're talking about animal protein five times a day. So let's help the listeners out here. Brenna, you already gave a great breakfast idea of frittata. You know, your eggs, your veggies, maybe Mm -hmm. a little goat cheese. I talked about the chili at lunchtime. Um, I want to move back to that breakfast meal. Another positive mood way to start the day that I like on a busy morning is the protein shake. Yes. And I kind of mentioned that with that caller that has the 10-year-old girl that's vegetarian. So vegetarian or not, that protein shake is delicious. And if you haven't discovered it yet, I mentioned it's on our website at weightandwellness.com. It's also in our cookbook called The Dishing Up Nutrition Guide. It's just four simple gluten-free ingredients. It's full-fat plain yogurt, some fresh or frozen fruit, a little coconut milk from the can for some added healthy fat, and then a scoop of high-quality whey protein powder. Yeah, I love that smoothie recipe. And that high-quality whey powder is a key here when we're thinking about positive moods. And the experts have known this for more than a decade. In fact, way back in June of 2000, an article published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition states that whey proteins raise serotonin levels and help to improve mood. There you go, Linda, if you're still listening. Whey protein for your daughter. It, and it is delicious. I always feel like I'm getting a little treat when I have that protein shake because it's kind of like a, a malt or a, yeah. you know, an ice cream shake, but yet it's not. It's healthy for you. But do be sure to get a high-quality whey and be sure the protein powder isn't loaded with carbohydrates because some of them I've seen out on the market are way too high in carbs. Now, Brenna and I both use Wellness Whey by NutriKey, and I've tried a couple other brands, but I really prefer this Wellness Whey. Yes, ours is delicious, and it does mix really easy, and I know that's a big thing with whey proteins is how well do they mix So the protein shake recipe makes for a quick and tasty breakfast, or again, you could mix up the recipe and drink half of it for your morning snack and the other half for an afternoon snack. But I want to give at least one more idea for a snack for those who may not have a protein powder handy. So go out and get yourself some cottage cheese and have about half a cup of that cottage cheese, that's your protein, and then half a cup of blueberries, that's your carbohydrate, and top that with a couple tablespoons of some slivered almonds, and that's your added fat. Delicious. And not only are you getting your animal protein that will eventually be turned into serotonin and dopamine, but Brenna's snack idea 
of protein, carb, and fat will also balance your blood sugar. And there is something magical about balancing your blood sugar. Give it a try today and see if you don't have an increased sense of well-being. It is so important to keep those blood sugars balanced. And one of my favorite lunches that keeps me balanced is I take a can of sardines packed in olive oil. I know many people have seen me do this. And then I just bring a big bowl of mixed greens to work and I just dump those sardines on top. Or if Ryan hasn't eaten all of the leftover grilled chicken, I might bring that too. But You know, that's a great idea. And it just reminds me, I need to try sardines. I have never tried them. They scare me, but... They're so delicious. They're so good for you. They are. A half a can has 800 milligrams of DHA. Oh, my Lord. Talk about a brain food that can help boost moods. That DHA, we probably won't get time to delve more into it today. But there you go, guys. Everybody, try some some sardines. It is time for our last break, but don't go away because we still have a couple of pearls of information to share regarding how to cure depression the natural way. And we have a few great upcoming classes we want to let you know about too. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Summer is too short. Wouldn't it be great if it lasted twice as long, twice the number of barefoot days, lazy picnics and dips in the lake. Nutritional weight and wellness can't double the days of summer, but they can give you a summer twofer with their two-for-one summer class special. All summer long, you and a guest can take a one-night class, both of you, for the price of one admission. Sign up with a friend, relative, neighbor, anyone who shares your interest in learning how to look and feel your best. Using the latest in scientific research, Nutritional Weight and Wellness has crafted a variety of classes. Each will teach you how to use real food to create positive changes in your life and health. Classes are fun, fascinating, and this summer available at a two-for-one price. See all the two-for-one classes at weightandwellness.com. Sign up online at weightandwellness.com or pre-register by calling 651-699-3438. That's 651-699-3438 for Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Welcome back to the final minutes of Dishing Up Nutrition. We are helping people achieve great moods with the power of real food. But before we share our last helpful hints on this topic, I do want to let you know about some upcoming classes. So this week on August 20th, we've got Jumpstart Your Metabolism in Maple Grove. We also have it on Tuesday the 21st uh, in Lakeville. And then on Wednesday, the 22nd, we are doing Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods, our topic of the day. Uh, And that will be in St. Paul. And then I believe this is next Saturday, Foods to Build Happy and Focused Kids in Lakeville. And that is Cassie's favorite class. I love that class. I love to reach those little kids and get them eating right from the start instead of after the fact when they're adults and unhealthy. That is a great class for any moms out there wanting to attend. And that Saturday one is... A morning class, right? 10.30, yes. I think, to Starts 12.30. 10.30, yep. The others are evening classes. So if you're interested in signing up or learning more about any of those classes Brenna just mentioned, you can go to our website at weightandwellness.com and click on classes, or you can call the ladies at the St. Paul office. They're already in today, and that number is 651-699-3438. We had a couple of callers that didn't want to go on the air, and they were questions related to today's topic. So I did want to address them. Um, one lady was wondering about cheese, which is a great question. Is cheese an animal protein? Yes, it is. Um, so the cheese, the cottage cheese, the yogurt, 
um, milk, all of those dairy products would be considered animal proteins. And then somebody else had a great question. Um, they wanted to know what could they do for a protein shake with a dairy sensitivity. So I have a couple of options mm-hmm. there. I have a dairy sensitivity, but I have found that I do just fine with the whey powder. And that's just sort of a trial and error thing. A lot of people with a dairy sensitivity are having an allergic reaction to either the casein, one of the main proteins, and or the lactose, the milk sugar. And that seems to be the case for me because I can do whey, but I can't do a lot of other dairy. So I take that whey protein powder and I put it in coconut milk. I buy the unsweetened coconut milk in the carton. Um, and, and that's my base and then put some fruit in there and then the whey protein powder. And if you do two cups of that coconut milk as your base, you get your needed fat in there. So you really just need the three ingredients. Now, my kids that have a dairy sensitivity, um, we do one of two things for them, use the coconut milk as the base. And then for a, a powder, they don't do well with the whey. So I either do an egg white protein powder by J-Rob Or we were talking about during break, Brenna, the pea protein powder. Yes. So pea protein is a great option for somebody that has several food allergies. And we sell a product at the office. We just got it in this year called Peatine. And I have to use that for Riley, my six-year-old, because he has an egg sensitivity. So either of those options will work as well. So hopefully we gave that listener some ideas. Mm -hmm. Lots of good options there. Yeah. So, you know, we have so much great information, but knowing that the the time is going to run out soon, I want to talk about folic acid because I don't know. I, I think this part would be a lot of would be new information for a lot of people. I don't know that a lot of people know the link between folic acid and depression. Yeah. Now, folic acid, for those of you who may not know, is a B vitamin. And the research suggests that a deficiency of this B vitamin is linked to Depression. A lot of the research suggests this. In fact, in a review of over 11 different studies involving over 15,000 people, a definite association was found between low folic acid levels and depression. Another interesting fact that I've read in the literature and that, if I'm remembering right, Dar has witnessed in clinical practice, is that people with a deficiency of folic acid will often not respond well to treatment with prescription antidepressants. Now, that is interesting, and I am sure there are a handful of listeners out there today or more who can relate. So if any listeners think they might be low in this critical B vitamin, what are some food sources that they should include on a regular basis? Well, organic liver is your best (laughs) absorbable source. Now, being that you will eat sardines, you'd probably be more likely than me to try liver. Do you ever eat liver? I think I've tried it once. And funny you should ask because I actually bought some chicken livers at the store because Leslie was telling me that all you have to do is fry them up in a little oil or butter. You are such a foodie. I, I know, love it. See, I'm, I, I, I cook because I want to be healthy, but I, I need to learn to love to cook, I think, because you sure appear to love to cook. I love to cook, and I figure I'll try just about anything. Yeah, well, you know, chicken livers, that reminds me, one of our, I, I don't know, was it a Christmas party? One of our gatherings, one of my first years here at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, Wendy, who used to be a counselor for us, brought pate made mm-hmm. from chicken livers, and that was delicious. So I think I could probably do a chicken liver. 
So that is your most absorbable source of folic acid. Beans and lentils are another source. So when you make that chili recipe that I talked about, you're getting folic acid. Or if you like hummus, hummus is made from garbanzo beans, which are a good source. And then a lot of the green veggies are a good source of folic acid too. So things like spinach, asparagus, broccoli. Yum. Those all sound like things that would go in an omelet. Mm-hmm. But there is ongoing discussion about the availability of this B vitamin, folic acid, when you try to consume it in food form versus when you take a synthetic supplement. So I'm going to go as far as to say that when it comes to this B vitamin, if you're suffering from low moods, you might be better off supplementing versus focusing too much on the food sources. Yeah, I think you're right. And I know, as our regular listeners know, we are a company that believes in food first But like you said, this is one time where if you have unresolved depression, it makes a lot of sense when you look at the literature to go right to a supplement of folic acid. You can certainly focus on those foods, too, but do the supplement of folic acid at the same time. And I remember being at a continuing education conference years ago where um, Dr. Kathy Breeden spoke. She's one of my favorite presenters And if I'm remembering right, she stated that some people don't have the tools, basically, the enzymes or other substances that they need to cleave the folate found in food so that it's in an absorbable form. And these people are then more at risk for depression. Right. And so for these people, supplementing makes absolute sense. And a supplement that I like to use when I think someone has a longstanding folic acid deficiency is the folic acid by orthomolecular because it has 5,000 micrograms in one capsule. Yeah. So absolutely. When you think somebody has, like you said, that longstanding deficiency and you really need to ramp them up because they've been low for so long, I too think that's a great product. I think Dar often recommends that one too. Another option is our most popular multivitamin called Twice a Day. And I often go to this one if I think someone could benefit from a little extra folic acid but also need some other nutrients too. Like just this past Thursday, I had a client that because of some anxiety, I knew she needed the Bs. So Twice a Day multivitamin has folic acid and all of the other B vitamins. But she also needed some vitamin C to help her absorption of the reacted iron that I was suggesting she take because of chronic fatigue. So for that person, the twice a day multivitamin was the perfect fit. Now, it doesn't have quite the mega amounts that folic acid by orthomolecular has, but it still will give you a good a good dose. Good. So we are... We are up against the hour. We were going to talk about this recent study on eggs that's putting them in a bad light, and we were really going to hash that over, but I I don't think we have time. I just do want to let people know eggs are still good for you. Eggs are still good for you. You know, and ever since Dar has been a nutritionist, which is decades, she has said eggs are good for you, and it's obviously working because our company is growing. Yes. You know, it's important to get the the, the eggs from the pastured chickens, but, but they are good for you. Um, You know, before that music starts, I just want to thank all of our listeners for spending the hour with us. Thanks for allowing Brenna and I to share our passion for nutrition and real food with all of you. And remember, food can be the problem or food can be the solution. The good news is the choice is up to you. Be sure to join us again next week, same time, same place, to hear Dar and Kate talk about natural anti-aging solutions. Now, I bet that's going to get a lot of listeners. Oh, yeah. So choose your foods wisely, everyone, and have a great weekend.
Bye bye, everybody. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.